0: The faith says, it calls those things that be not those other words. Faith recognizes what's already done. Faith recognizes God's ability and has the right response to it. Faith, faith works when you acknowledge, I am crucified. I am dead with Christ. It is the life of Christ that I have right now. Amen? But yet it says, if you be dead with him, you are dead with him. But if you would acknowledge it, and walk in it, then you shall also live and have His life. Acknowledge, acknowledge. Here's a verse of scripture. Titus chapter one verse one says that the the last part of chapter one verse one says the acknowledgment of the truth is after godliness. What does that mean? It means when you acknowledge the truth, when you acknowledge the ultimate reality. When you acknowledge what Jesus has already done. When you acknowledge that as he is, so are you in this world. When you acknowledge that I was crucified with him and now I have his life. The acknowledgement of the truth is after godliness. Meaning when you acknowledge and you own up to it. Say, I own up. It's not me. I'm crucified. It is the life of Christ here. It says when you acknowledge the truth. It produces godliness in other words then it produces the God kind of life how do you get a God kind of life you gotta recognize and acknowledge the truth and that's what makes you free amen you've got to acknowledge that I am dead with him and therefore I have his life okay now crucifixion, it has such power and authority for a couple of reasons. Number one, if we were to go back to Romans chapter 6, it says, know ye not. Mm. Okay, yeah, let's go back to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 2, how shall we that are dead, we are dead to sin, live any longer in it? You are dead to sin. Now, many times, in order to see faith, understand faith, and so on, what you got to do is you got to go get into your spirit. You got to see from your spirit. And where your spirit man is concerned, your spirit man, according to Ephesians 4.24, is created in righteousness and true holiness. It is purely righteous. It's totally holy with God's holiness, with God's righteousness. Amen? Your spirit man has God's divine nature. Your spirit man has the very life of Christ. Here is something else about your spirit man. Second Corinthians 5 verse 17 and 18 says, If any man is in Christ, he is a what? New, new creation. And what? All, all things have passed away. And all. all things have become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God. Everything in your spirit man is of God. You have the joy of the Lord as your strength. It is the joy of the Lord. You've got the peace of God. It is His peace. It is the love of God that is shed abroad in your heart, and we could go on and on. You are partakers of His glory. But hey, you're blessed with every spiritual blessings in your spirit. You have everything that pertain unto life and godliness. Amen. So everything. So in your spirit, there is no sin. There is the nature of God. And it is impossible, the Bible says, I didn't say it, 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, it is impossible. Is it impossible for God to sin? Let me ask you that. Is it impossible for God to sin? Yes. Come on. Yes. Is it impossible for God to sin? Yes. Alright. Whose nature do you have in your spirit? Therefore it's impossible for your nature that is inside your spirit to sin. It doesn't mean you can't sin. You could sin by giving into your flesh, but you're a spirit man. So, so it says then, know ye not? It says that you are. How shall we that are dead? You are dead to sin, and then if you were to come to this whole passage, it will go on to say in verse verse seven, he that is dead is freed from sin, and then verse eleven. Therefore, that being the case, in order your spirit man is free from sin. Sin has no dominion over him. He has no desire or inclination to sin. The devil can't tempt him. The devil can't get anything inside him to work with. He's been sealed by the Holy Ghost. Jesus says that the evil one cometh, but he has nothing in me. John 14, 30, that's the truth about your spirit. But now that is the truth, and the truth makes you free. It goes on to say in verse 11, Reckon yourself. To be dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God. In other words, you've got to recognize that, all right, this is how it is. I've done my calculations. I've done my reckoning. I've balanced the books. And I've come to the conclusion that what? I reckon I am dead indeed to sin, but I'm alive unto God. That's how faith works. Faith acknowledges the truth. And that's what produces the God kind of life. The power does not come just because you intellectually know it. you got to believe it, but you got to speak it. Faith is believing and speaking. The Bible says in Second um, Peter chapter 1, and I think about verse 9, it was saying, after your faith diligence, after your faith this, and to godly kindness, da 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 And then it goes on to say, and I think in verse 9, that if you lack these things, it's because you have forgotten that you were cleansed from your sins. In other words then, you can be strong in the Oh, Thank you very much. Man, you guys have high tech. Amen. <laughs> 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 and, and you're fast in the back. That's good. In other words, then if you've got a problem and a lock in certain areas, it is because you haven't majored on the fact that you are purged from your sin and you haven't majored in the fact that you are righteous. That's why 1 Corinthians 15, 34 says, Awake to Righteousness. And what? Sin not. And you sin and come short of the glory of God. Awake to righteousness and stop coming short of the excellency of God. Stop being in that place of separation. That's why Jesus came, that you might have no more consciousness of sin. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 2. Are you with me? So, the truth of the matter is, the answer to the sin question is not, I think I can, I think I can, I know I won't, I know I won't, no. It's not willpower. It is the revelation and the application of crucifixion. Amen? Amen. Alright. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, if you were to flip this over into the area of sickness, now sickness basically comes as a result of sin. Amen? If there was no sin, there would never be sickness in the earth. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, when it was talking about communion, and it says about having communion, because when you do you're celebrating you're making a declaration you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes you are proclaiming I have a part in what he did in this broken body I have a part in what he did in this shed blood this is the new covenant in which I said in that body he bore my sicknesses carried my infirmities he became a curse so I'm redeemed from the curse so that the healing is mine it says that it says but if a man partakes of the body and the blood of the Lord ignorantly if he partake of it, not discerning the Lord's body, not recognizing what he's doing, not recognizing that this body, that I have a part in everything he did in this body, and I have a part in everything he did in his blood. It says that if he doesn't recognize that, what happened? Next thing you know, he becomes sick. Some are sick. Some are weak. And it says some even die. In other words, it is saying that if a believer will recognize his part In the sacrifice of Christ, he could live above sickness and disease. Romans chapter 8 verse 2 says, He could live in the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus that makes you free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. My point is this. Crucifixion and the reality of it can bring you into a place of freedom from sin which is also connected to sickness and disease. If we have time, we can see how it connects you up to divine health. Amen. All right. No, the answer, it's also the answer to the flesh. Galatians chapter 5. Now I'm going to go very quickly. Put on your, get, get ready for, put on your, tighten your seatbelts. See if there's an oxygen tank that comes down. <laughs> All right. Get ready. We might have a little bit of turbulence. Fasten your seat belts. <laughs> Glory to God. We got to land this plane in about 15 minutes. Are you ready? Amen. Say I'm ready. I'm ready. All right, let's go. Okay, Galatians chapter 5, speaking from verse 19, it says, The works, the works, the works of the flesh, say flesh, are manifest, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, murder, drunkenness, reveling, partying, that etc., etc., and all such things. But if you operate in these things, you cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, which means you cannot function in that Kingdom of God that is within you. You can't function in it. You're gonna be functioning, but it's outside of it. You might still get to heaven, but you're not gonna have much heaven while you're here. Alright? You're okay. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, kindness, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. Verse 24. Now watch this. Say crucifixion. crucifixion. And they that are Christ, they that belong to Christ. How many of you here belong to Christ? Amen. Alright. Okay. Okay, fair enough. (laughs) They that are Christ, have past tense, crucified the flesh with its affection and lust. You see many times people have bondages in their life. Right? Addictions and whatever, whatever, whatever. Bad attitudes. Gluttony. They're grumpy. They're miserable. They have character flaws. You know anybody with character flaws? Right? I'll tell you this. Every character flaw that you find in human beings has its root in the works of the flesh. Amen? Amen. But here it says, regarding those works of the flesh, if you belong to Christ in your spirit, where your spirit man is concerned, you are crucified. You are crucified To the flesh, with all of its affections and lust, and all of its works. So then, what is the solution for some problem I have? Let's say it was gluttony. Let's say it was overeating. Let's say it was something along that line. Let's say it was anger. What is the solution? Is the solution to my anger? In the name of Jesus, I bind you, you spirit of anger. Go for me. Go for me. Let's say no, I'm getting angry. Is the solution to my overeating binding the spirit of gluttony? Brother, come lay your hands on me, anoint me with oil, and deliver me from this spirit of gluttony. Is that the answer? Renewing in the mind helps, but here is what really helps. The weapons of all warfare are mighty true God. And here is the weapon. I have crucified, I belong to Christ, and I have crucified that flesh with its affections and with its lust. Therefore, you spirit of anger, You anger, you gluttony, you whatever it is, you've got no authority over me. Because this is what I believe. According to the word of God, I believe and therefore do I speak. I believe that I'm crucified to you, you're crucified to me, I'm dead to you. You have no voice and authority in my life and I am free from you. And you keep doing that and you believe that and you say it, that's called faith. It's called the spirit of faith. Amen? When you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, you get possession. So the answer is not a next anger management class. Even though that might help you cope for a little bit, who comes up to 10? <laughs> Amen? But this is where the root is. Hallelujah. so Crucified. Crucify. Hey, Say, we're just dead. Uh, um, I was... Uh, I have a son who's very good at basketball and so on and so forth. And in school, he's very intense. Very intense. You know what I mean? Like, real intense. Man, he'll he'll, he'll guard you. He'll be like, just this close to you and not even touch you. That's how close he could guard you. He's very good. But also, too, he had a way of reacting very quickly. I mean, the referee calls something on him. Man, he he almost want to fight the referee. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so... um, you know, and he would be a little bit explosive. And not always in a good way, which would mean technical. If any of you know basketball, technical power. So, and I had to try to get him, help him to get over it. So I taught him this thing. I call it 3D, which means you're dead, you're deaf, and you're dumb. Right? Which means whatever happens, you think it's a bad call, right? First of all, you're dead. Dead people don't react. You're deaf, you don't even hear it. You're dumb, you don't say nothing. So, sometime in the middle of a game, I'll be there as a parent on the sidelines. You know, you're shouting to your kids, go, 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 watch the lane, and all that kind of stuff. And I would see, I would see when he's right there on the edge. And I know, man, if somebody don't pull him back soon, we're gonna there's some technicals coming up soon. So I'd be shouting out to him, 3D! 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 Parents on what's crazy, what's he saying? I said, 3D! I'm trying to tell him you're dead You're deaf and you're dumb Say I'm crucified I'm crucified Amen You see when, you, when you're when you crucified For instance when you are dead You can't be intimidated Who? How can you intimidate a dead man How can you insult a dead man How can you demoralize a dead man How can you bring shame to a dead man there's a dead man trying to make a repetition for himself is he concerned about what you think about him nope. is a dead man trying to impress you no. okay. are you with me say I'm crucified, I'm crucified. <laughs> bless it anyway hallelujah it is the answer to the flesh alright let's move on it is the answer to the spirit of offense you see offense wants to make you defensive you know what I mean you, you, the spirit of the first wants you to look out for what's you, what's, for, what's in it for you. Jesus said in, the day, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're a, a, um, a, a, a good man, some say this, some say that. Jesus said, but what do you say? Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus got all excited. And Jesus says, "Man, hmm, I'm telling you, from here on, I will rename you. You are no longer Simon Barjona, being a reed, but because you just heard from the Spirit of God and you got revelation knowledge, I call you Petra. I call you Peter. You've just become a little rock, and I'm gonna well, and the key and, the, and and because of this revelation knowledge, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I mean, Jesus was excited. I mean, Peter, man, you heard from God. That's awesome." And then immediately, Jesus began to unveil to them and say, look, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm only going to be here for so long, and I'm going to die. I'm going to go to the cross. And the Bible says, Peter, pull them aside. And Peter said, hey, come here. What are you talking about? Go, you're going to go to what? No, 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 no. And Jesus, Peter began to rebuke God. <laughs> Peter began to rebuke Jesus. And Jesus turned in Matthew 16, 23. And he says, you get thee behind me, Satan. For you are an offense to me because you don't desire and seek the things that are of God, but you are savoring the things that are of men. What was he saying? He says, Peter, before you heard from the Spirit of God, but right now you're hearing from the devil. You are yielding to the Spirit of the devil. And how? And that Spirit of the devil? He is the prince of offense. And what he's trying to do. Is he trying to use you to get to me so that I can have some kind of selfish motivation and decide I don't want to go to the cross? And at that point, Jesus revealed what that spirit of offense was. It is this yielding to selfishness. What's in it for me? It It causes us to become defensive. It is what causes us to want to impress people. It is what causes us to get offended. Somebody tell you something, get your feelings all hurt. And so on and so forth. Amen? If somebody don't give you a title or you get a title note, it is what causes all of that. It is, and it's a hindrance in your life. It's a hindrance in marriage. It's a hindrance in the church. It's a hindrance in serving God. Jesus is going to go on to say in verse 24 and 25 that Peter, this is how it works. Unless you can take up your cross and follow me, Man, you can, you, can, you can be where I am. You can be my disciple. You can live this life. It says the same thing in, in Luke chapter 14 and I believe verse 26 and several other places. The key to this spirit of offense is what? I'm dead. Say, I'm dead. I'm dead. I am crucified. The truth is you are crucified. So you might as well live like it. The truth is you are in the spirit. You are in the spirit. So you might as well walk in the spirit. You are a new creation. You might as well live like one. You are the righteousness of God. You might as well talk and act and think that way. Stop begging God to do what he's told you to do and you've got authority to do. Amen? So it it frees you from that spirit of offense. It frees you. It is the answer to the mind of Christ so that you can think like God and so that you're not operating in selfishness and pursuing your own reputation and everything else. Jesus said, Is the key to discipleship. Luke 14, 26 and 27. Jesus says, Unless you take up my cross, you cannot be my disciple. You might want to be, right? Other people might anoint you, or rather put oil on you, lay hands on you, and whatever it is, give you a title. But he says, Except you take up your cross. Right? And that's in Luke 14, 26, I believe it is. He says, and 26 and 27. If you don't take up my cross, if you don't take up your cross, you cannot be my disciple. Cannot. Say cannot. cannot. You cannot be my disciple. The only way you're going to be my disciple is you must take up your cross. In other words, then, crucifixion is necessary. Right? You cannot be my disciple. What is the next verse? Verse 27. Right? And whosoever does not bear his cross... And come after me cannot, amen. You might want to. How many of you want to? Right. But he said one two is not enough. Say the cross. Say crucifixion. crucifixion. So it is the key to crucifixion. It is the key to serving. You see, Paul. Paul walked in that place. Paul said, "I die daily." First Corinthians fifteen thirty one. Paul says, "Every morning I wake up." I recognize I'm crucified with Christ. And he says, here's why I do it. 2 Corinthians 4.10. So that that life of Christ will be made manifest in me. Even in my mortal body, so I could have that divine health. He says, that's why I do it. I do it, he says in, in verse, I think 1 Corinthians 4, maybe 11, 12, somewhere there. He said, look, death is working in me death works in me. That sounds bad. But what was he saying? He's saying that crucifixion thing, man, it is working in me, that life and life working in you. In other words, the more crucifixion works in me, the more crucifixion works in me, the more life of Christ is flowing out of me for your benefit. Are you with me? Say I'm crucified with Christ. Hallelujah. Now every believer has to go through this. Amen? Being crucified with Christ and walking in that place of crucifixion shuts the door to the devil you ever hear but give the devil no place that's how you do it when you don't when you not when there is no self when there is no flesh when there is no I when there is no me when there is that yielding to the Holy Spirit which is another way of saying obedience abandonment to the Holy Spirit when you do that and that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about is to bring you into that yieldedness you see, to be filled with the Holy... It's one thing to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. And it's another thing to be filled and continually filled. But to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you got to be empty of yourself. Hello? Yeah, yeah. Amen? I can't have this with all... Uh, I mean, if I have some blue liquid in here, mercury or something like that, whatever else, and, fill it with, and the rest of it is water, it's not filled with water. Amen? So I got to empty that stuff out first. So he says, be filled with the Holy Ghost, Ephesians 5, verse 18. Verse 21, submitting yourself one to another. And it was really, yes, submit yourself one to another. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, submitting yourself to the Holy Ghost. Yielding to the Holy Ghost. Abandoning to the Holy Ghost. Obeying the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen? It is the key. It is the key in your love walk. Right? The Bible says, the "Bible speaks concerning love, and the Bible speaks concerning the love of God." It says that you're not seeking what's what, what's your you're not after what, what's in it for me. First, minute, chapter thirteen, verse five, in the Amplified says, "It does not insist on in its own rights or its own way." That's how you walk in love. Now, here is something. Now, let me let me just see see if I can just. Mention this here very closely, very emphatically, but briefly. How many of you know Second um, Corinthians 5:17? Can anybody start it? If any, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. That's verse 17. Verse 14 says this, The love of Christ constrains me, and this is what I judge, that if one died for all, all were dead. According to that verse, when Jesus was crucified, everyone was crucified with him. All right. Now, God says in that verse, you are to judge it that way. I must judge me crucified, and I must judge you crucified. Here is what happens. Here you are with your miserable self. <laughs> Here you are. You're getting my toes. Right? Uh, I mean, you're unthankful. You're ungrateful. You're probably rude and everything else. Man, it's kind of hard to love you from a natural. But yet I can. You know why? If I judge you crucified, if I see you through the blood, and if I recognize that even though you're not asking me for forgiveness, and even though you haven't done anything to deserve it, and even though you probably, I mean, I mean you want to pull out my beard, spit in my face, do all that kind of stuff, yet if I see you through the blood, and I deal with you from that perspective. You know what I will do? According to John 20 and I think verse 23, when Jesus breathed in them and he says, whatever sins you remit, they are remitted. So what? I remit your sins. I forgive you. I release you. And I don't trample and disregard and disrespect and dishonor the blood of the covenant, Hebrews 20, and despise it, right, by treating you unkindly. And that love of Christ constrains me. It controls me. It dominates me because I judge. Not only am I crucified, and therefore you can't hurt my feelings. You can't intimidate me. You can't shame me. Right? But I also judge you crucified. I judge every man crucified in Him, therefore, because of that. So now, how does that affect my relationships? How does that affect my relationships? How does that affect my service? How does that affect my service in the church? I mean, I'm doing stuff. I'm here. First thing, I'm putting all the chairs. I'm putting all this stuff on. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. And nobody sees. Nobody recognizes. And before I'm done, they ask me to do something else. And then I got to come back next week and do it again. No thanks. No recognition, et cetera, et cetera. Man, I'm out of here. But you see, if I'm crucified, number one, hey, I'm, at, I'm doing whatever I do, the Bible says. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, I'm doing it as unto the Lord and not as unto man. Knowing that it's from the Lord that I receive the reward of my inheritance. Crucified. Not only that, so I'm not looking for no thanks. And I'm doing it for His glory. Whatever you do, in word or deed, doing it for the glory of God. So how does that affect my commitment? When I don't feel like doing this or feel like doing that, By the Lord, I mean God is fasting. I mean, come on. How many times do you really, really feel like fasting? But why am I doing it? Because that is the word that came forth from the pastor. That is the word that the Lord is speaking to me. He's calling me into this fast. Therefore, I choose to. Not because I feel like it. Not because I desire it. Except after the inner man. After the inner man, I delight in the law of God. Crucifixion. (laughs) So crucifixion brings me to this place of obedience. And that's not a surprise that crucifixion will cause obedience. Here's why. Let's spell the word obedience. Somebody spell it for me in case I spell it wrong. O-B-D, what is that? O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E-C. So what's in the middle of obedience? D-I-E. Isn't that right? And what is in the middle of D-I-E? Wasn't the middle of D I E? I there we go. So it's not a surprise that being crucified, being dead with Him, is the key to obedience. Mm-hmm. So it's not about how I feel. It's not about who see me. It's not about who recognize me. Mm-hmm. It is so. It, so even my service, my commitment to the things of God, to reaching the lost. To sh- I mean, can you imagine? You feel. I mean, the Lord is leading you to witness to somebody. And they might just reject you, but you got to go ahead and obey. Not doing what I will and what I want, because what I will and what I want, I don't feel. I'm not in a witnessing mood right now. You know what I mean? But then what happens? It's not what I will. It's not what I want. It's what he says. It's what he directs. You see, part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is is to make Jesus king in your life. And it's to bring you into the place where the life of Christ is what dominates you. And the life of Christ cannot dominate you without crucifixion dominating you. Jesus says, you cannot be where I am. You cannot live this higher life, except you lay down that lower life. He says, if you want to be one of my disciples, if you want to be where I am, if you want to be like me, you've got to take up your cross. There is no other way. Amen? So, let's close by saying this. It says in Philippians chapter 3, well, we were looking, first of all, in, in back in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, where it says, Knowing not that many of you have been baptized in, into Christ, have been baptized into His death, and that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, we ought to walk in the newness of life. Which means you ought to be living the resurrected life. You ought to be living as someone who is raised up together with Christ. Well, in Philippians chapter 3, reading from verse, 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 verse 9, Paul says that I might be found in him, in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law. Um, he, Philippians 3 verse 9, that I be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is of God, by faith. And then it says, and that I might know him and the power of his resurrection, that I might know and be united with and be intimate with the power of his resurrection. But it also says, and the fellowship of his suffering. Being made conformable unto his death. Being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Which is to say, so that if by any means, even while I'm in this physical body, I might live as if I might be lifted up out of this natural realm and live the resurrected life while I'm still here on this earth. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what I want? Isn't that what we want? The very life of Christ to dominate us. To live in the power and the reality of the resurrection. Which means to live in such authority. To live with such freedom. To live with such liberty. Free from man. Free from the world. Free from all of that other stuff. And that's living for the glory of God. It says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 18 that there are these folks that are an enemy to the cross because of how they live, because of how they conduct their lives. But the opposite to being an enemy to the cross is to embrace the cross. So what is it? What's what's all this saying? It says you and I must embrace the cross. Meaning what? You must embrace the sacrifice. You must identify that I'm crucified with him. You must identify that I was buried with him so my past has no more voice and authority over me. I'm resurrected with him, and I now have his life. I'm seated at the Father's right hand, far above principalities and powers. I have authority over the enemy. I have authority over the environment because of that name. And all of these promises are mine. And the baptism of the Holy Spirit has come. The Holy Spirit is working in my life so that all that belongs to me becomes a reality to me. Amen? Think about what belongs to you. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. God has given you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Won't it be wonderful for these things to become real? Amen. Amen. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit is amplified when we can just do this, submit to Him. The Bible says, He that is the greatest among you must be the servant of all. The Bible says, When a man loves God, God opens up his whole spirit to him. Amen. So what is it? What is this all saying? Embrace the cross, embrace crucifixion. It's not ouch. (laughs) Crucifixion is glory. Why? Because it says, the suffering of this present time is not worthy to be compared with the glory. It is an open door to the glory and the excellency of God. The world around you, the people around you, the church, they need the life of Christ flowing out of you. That's what it is all about. Amen? Amen? Let's just pray for a moment. Let's stand. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Halekando, Kando Rubu Kura Baba Moshe Tende Rebeki, Sukura Benda. Now pray in the Holy Ghost for a little bit. Lena Barabakorobone, Sikilamanan. Pastor, let me finish. Can you come stand?